is the juice. And it's good. What juice is it? It doesn't have the name on the Starbucks. This says Pasatango. Pasadena Tango. This says Pasatango. If anyone has ever ordered the Pasadena Tango at Starbucks, let us know. It's the passion fruit iced tea lemonade. Amazing. We went to Starbucks, no, thinking that she was actually going to get coffee. She's Mm -hmm. like, I need something to stay awake. Gets this fucking lemonade passion fruit tea. This has caffeine in it, mama. Yeah. No. Yes, it does. It literally has caffeine in it. Um, I think you're lying. Either way, <laughs> uh, welcome to Most Excellent, the podcast, your true crime, paranormal, all things strange and peculiar comedy podcast. We are here in our DIY podcast room with our nice... We should probably start saying our names, too. No. We never say our names. I'm getting there. I needed Same to mention the candle first. We have a nice pumpkin peanut butter candle going. It's not pe- pe- pumpkin peanut butter. It's not, pe- it's not pe- Peter pe- pe- picked a pack it's of Peter pe- 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 penises. <laughs> What it is, Mama. Well, it. I'm Gina, and I'm Danielle. And you know what? I we've been friends. Let me just do this as I know. Okay, we've been friends for so long that I've I've started saying my own name wrong because you say my name Danielle. Yeah, my name is Danielle. Dan- I say my name. You say my name like that. So I started saying my name like that. Like what? You say Danielle. Danielle oh yeah. Instead of Danielle. Well, that's, who says Danielle? Danielle. Like, hey, Danielle, come Danielle. here. Danielle. People say it. People say it, Danielle. I just, Danielle's dad says her name, like, Danya. Danya. And she's Danya. That's <laughs> just my name is Danya. Amazing. Um, Let we, me just do a shout-out to my dad, Do too. a shout-out. My dad, guys, like, the cutest nickname for me, and he calls me Danielle Belly. It's really cute. Oh, it's so lame. It's really cute. It's so lame. You're such an ass. My dad calls just me calls a piece of <laughs> Just, my dad has never called me a piece of shit ever in my life. I'm a fucking liar. My dad actually calls me, um, he calls me G yeah. or Jijo. When now he, he calls you Jijo. He, he calls me Jijo. But now he started calling me Haji. <laughs> Haji like the dogs in the trains. Are you kidding? No, no, H-A-J-I. Because like he would text me and he would mean to put like hi G. But like his phone would autocorrect it to Haji. <laughs> so he just started calling me Haji. And I'm like, this is cultural appropriation. You're the dog that waits at the train station. I am. For your dad to come get you, but he never comes. Just like everyone else. (laughs) God was like, hi. God was like, hi. Shout out to Trixie and Katya, because they got me through this entire week. When they come on this podcast... World War Three. It's happening. Oh yes. They're they're going I'm to be on this it. into the universe right now. They will be on this podcast. Trixie and Katya, if you're listening, oh this would be God. so up your alley. So up your ass. I'm so up and your up ass. your ass. I am so up Trixie and Katya's ass. It's oh not my even funny. In the best way possible. In the best way. <clears throat> um <laughs> so we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna get into some good shit this week. We did our, our whole ass Judy Garland episode mm-hmm. last week. Her life story, her birth of her full grown daughter, Liza Minnelli. Out of her birth canal. I laughed for a good 20 minutes listening to my own podcast, listening to that joke. Laughed for a good 20 minutes. I thought it was so funny. It was a good time. Um, so listen to that one because we are going to get into some crazy Wizard of Oz shit. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the movie. The We're going to do makeup conspiracies about it. There's so many. Because y'all know The Wizard of Oz is an old ass movie. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a it's very a long block. time. And... Like any other movie that's been around the block, more so because it has this crazy Judy Garland shit mm-hmm. involved with it. It's just, it has, it, people have said it's cursed. There's apparently a fucking munchkin committing suicide in the background. I literally sent you to no less than three videos She sent today. me four, like, like, she sent me these videos, like, I haven't been researching this shit for 20 years. But I was sending them to you because I was watching them during my lunch, and I was like, this is for sure, and then I saw one more video, and I was like, this is not no, for sure. No, because you can see, I mean, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But, like... It's, they, that's not a thing. Um, sorry to burst your bubble. But, you know, if you want to continue thinking that, it's fine. But stop playing with my shade. But we got a bunch of good stuff lined up, so I'm ready to get into it. Do you want to, like, start at a specific place, or should we just... So, how I did mine was I did really creepy set facts. Okay. So that's what I did. We can start with that. So, I have a bunch, I'm I'm going through each of the... Basically, each of the characters' makeup. Okay. Like, their makeup stories. Because yes. I think, honestly, this movie is so interesting besides the conspiracy theories because of the way that 
everything was done, even just back in the day, mm-hmm. you're like, what an absolute horror show yeah. it was to be an actor in oh the my 1930s God. through 60s. Yeah. was a horror show to be an actor. So I started off, like, going through all their makeup, and then I did, like, other creepy stories and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but we can go through, like, the creepy facts first, and then we'll move to, like, our separate conspiracy theories. Because yes. this is this is stuff that actually happened with the set to the point where... People were talking about how this set is actually cursed, and I honestly believe it. Yeah. The amount of things that went wrong while filming this movie mm-hmm. are astronomical. Yeah. Anything that Insane. could go wrong did go yeah. wrong, basically. Yeah. So, okay. So I went through each of the characters, essentially. Okay. I went through all of the bad shit that happened to them while they filmed this movie. So we're going to start with Margaret Hamilton, mm-hmm. who played the Wicked Witch yes. in this movie. So... They tried numerous treatments for her nose and chin prosthetics. Mm -hmm. They tried several different shades of green. Yes. Different kinds of products and pigments and just constantly, they would literally just do hours and hours of makeup tests Mm -hmm. on her face starting out. And her face literally developed a severe rash and irritation because they were putting this, already during this time period, you already are putting toxic stuff on your face. Mm-hmm. It's a given. It's the yeah. 1930s, and makeup was not what it was today. Where even like even going into the 1950s and 60s, you have like people putting yeah. nasty things on their face. Toxins on their Toxins. face. Toxins. Yeah. Reference our episode called Sephora of the Sephora of yesteryear. Yesteryear. Go listen. Go listen to that one. Um, but a lot of that stuff got carried over here, where you're seeing absolute nastiness getting put on these people's face mm-hmm. and they have no clue that it's bad for them right which so, is so interesting sorry like real quick um because margaret hamilton was actually a school teacher before yep. she got cast and they were originally going to have like this glamorous actress they were play like the wicked witch with like no makeup you know like regular yeah. makeup but like no green or anything mm-hmm. she's gonna be beautiful and they were like no we want her to be an actual witch and like yeah. ugly and scary so that's why they cast margaret hamilton because she is like older like mm-hmm. she had that like I don't want to say she was ugly, but she had, like, that look about her yeah. of, like, you know, she was an older woman who could play this witch. And she had a beautiful proud nose. Yeah. She's great. Shout it. out to Margaret. Shout out to Margaret. Um, so they ended up doing a copper-based makeup for her skin. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. Copper-based makeup for her skin. My face itches just thinking Literally, about it. Literally, when I was reading this, because I was reading it, it was from a book that was written about the making of The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. and I was just like, the things that they made these people do... Are sadistic. Yeah. So they ended up using a copper-based makeup on her skin, and she literally at one point had ingested it because she was wearing it so much. Ooh. She ingested it at one point, and it ended up being so toxic to her body. She had to be on a liquid diet where she could only drink through a straw, essentially, because <sighs> her body couldn't handle solid foods yeah. for a while. So they only she... had Judy on cigarettes, and then they had Margaret... Just sipping shit through a straw. All these, all these characters, literally because of their makeup, were on liquid diets. For can you months. imagine how long they were in the bathroom? For? Oh my god, they must have been like, uh, uh-uh. uh. So, at one point, literally, the makeup became embedded into her pores, and it dyed her skin for like weeks after filming. Oh. So her, it literally just became embedded inside her pores. Yeah. So she ingests it. She has to drink a liquid diet at that point then it becomes embedded in her pores which you would think she'd be like i gotta get the fuck out of here she doesn't she had a 6 45 in the morning call time and it would take two hours to apply her makeup and so they would literally sit there and just paint this woman's face Mm -hmm. and and hear all this stuff to her and then she would literally her skin got dyed so on December 23rd of 1938, this is when the famous accident occurs that happens to her where mm-hmm. she is filming her escape from Munchkinland where she's supposed to basically disappear in this mm-hmm. big plume of fire. And so what happens, instead of them actually timing out the explosion right, they drop her through the trap door, but they bring the fire up too soon, and her broom and her hat and her makeup catch on fire. <sighs> Okay, because they're bringing up... She is disappearing through this trap door, mm-hmm. but they're bringing up the flame Which at the same time. Which you can see in the movie if you watch it. You yeah. can see the trap door come up through the smoke. You can see the trap door and you see her leg. Yeah. Go. She dabs. She dabs. She does a quick dab and then she leaves. <laughs> she, she has a blood in her mouth. She's right. like, I gotta go. And so 
they rise up the flames too soon and she received second degree burns on her right hand and she received first degree burns on the right side of her face. So, this, oh my god, I'm about to throw up. So, to make matters even worse, they had to remove the makeup from her burned skin Mm -hmm. with alcohol. Yeah, so it wouldn't get into her blood. Oh, they literally burned... They're like her her skin's already burned. You put alcohol on mm-hmm. burning skin with the makeup on top with of it. With the makeup on top of it, and so that's how they had to get it off. They had to literally like <sighs> yeah, okay. poor Margaret. So she after this leaves the film until February tenth of nineteen thirty nine when she returns, and her hands are not even healed by the time she returns. Mm-hmm. So they that's why she's like they have her wearing gloves. Yeah, and they did no reshooting. No. She she refused to have it reshot. No. She was like, I'm not doing that again. When she came back, she literally said that I'll come back, but we're not filming I'm not filming any more scenes with fire. Mm-hmm. Which they ended up doing anyways. Which yeah. They well so she lays on the law as no fire and mm-hmm. so she said quote i won't sue because i know how this business works and i would never work again i will return to work one condition no more fireworks mm-hmm. which how shitty is it that literally during this period of time these actors have literally no rights yeah so she what she couldn't sue them for literally maiming her right or else she would never work again because they would blacklist yeah. her plus she was a woman so yeah. even worse garbage. she was a she wasn't signed with the studio. She okay. was, like, a contract player, essentially, where okay. she would just do different ones. Yeah. But luckily for her, she did end up putting her foot down because when they do the Surrender Dorothy scene, she tells them basically, like, hi, I'm not doing this because yeah. it involved her sitting on a broom, which was actually, like, a pipe, and them blowing smoke out the back and, like, fire out the back, and she basically yeah. told them, I'm not doing this, so have the stunt double do it. Yeah. So they have the stunt double do it, and that also goes wrong mm. because the stunt double gets onto the broomstick and so like if you look in the movie it's she's like rolling around yeah. spelling out surrender Dorothy and smoke so the smoke is like billowing out the back of this pipe okay and so her stunt double her name was Betty and she actually gets injured doing this because she gets like the pipe essentially like explodes and mm-hmm. she ends up getting severe burns and scars on her legs Mm. and she spent two weeks in the hospital only for them to then replace her and they hired her with Aline Goodwin who went on and she finished the scene yeah um but they don't care right they're like oh whatever yeah they literally do not care so they like maim Betty permanently like her legs had permanent scars Mm -hmm. and then they go and they're like okay yeah one more time so now we're going to move on to the first Tin Man, whose name was Buddy Epson. Buddy Epson, Jed Clampett of the Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly Hillbillies. So Buddy is originally cast for this role, and he does work on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but he left after inhaling some of the aluminum powder that was used for his makeup. And he was only 10 days into filming. Yeah. And so he experienced shortness of breath and cramping. And so essentially what happened is because they were... Putting on this aluminum powder as kind of a finishing powder. It was powder. pure aluminum yeah. dust that they pure put on his aluminum face. aluminum dust that they're doing as a finishing powder. Like, this is not, you yeah. know. Yeah, he was hospitalized nine days after filming. Yep. And so he, his lungs ended up failing. And so during his two-week hospital stay, he eventually recovers. But his lungs literally failed from this. Yeah. Um, he recovers, luckily. But they tried to actually, they did several different methods for him before Mm -hmm. trying the tin powder so they tried covering him with tin they tried doing silver paper they They put aluminum foil on his face they did um they tried uh cardboard covered with like a silver material Mm -hmm. but none of it kind of gave them the look they were looking for yeah so eventually they ended up setting white face paint with aluminum dust as a topper Mm -hmm. so he claimed that it coated his lungs like paint yeah and so he ended up being gone for about eight weeks from filming and he said this this is like a quote from him which Mm -hmm. i was reading it and i was like oh christ or god yeah so he said about his attack that ends up happening because of him um inhaling the aluminum he Mm -hmm. says it was several days later when my cramps began my first symptoms had been a noticeable shortness of breath 
I would breathe and exhale and then get the panicky feeling I hadn't breathed at all. Then I would gasp for another quick breath with the same result. My fingers began to cramp and then my toes. For a time, I could control this unusual cramping by forcibly straightening out my fingers and toes. So this is the night of the attack Uh, that takes him out. He says, one night in bed... I woke up screaming. My arms were cramping from my fingers upward and curling simultaneously so that I could not use my one arm to uncurl the other. My wife tried to pull my arm straight with some success just as my toes began to curl. Then my feet and legs bent backward at the knees. I panicked. What was happening to me? Next came the worst. The cramps in my arms advanced into my chest to the muscles that controlled my breathing. If this continued, I wouldn't even be able to take a breath. I was sure I was dying. Imagine that. I, I... Electric chair. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to function. Nope. That's insane. So this all happens to him when he's offset. Yeah. And so he literally had done all of the rehearsals. He did four weeks of rehearsals. He did all the makeup and costume mm-hmm. tests. And he recorded his songs for the film. Can you imagine how devastating that is? to? And especially this role when you know how successful this movie went on mm-hmm. to be. Could you fucking imagine? I couldn't. I... I... But you know what? Like, shout out to him for being Jed Clampett, though, because that was also a very iconic character. Mm -hmm. So they actually ended up using his recording of We're Off to See the Wizard. So that's actually his voice in that recording. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, they kept some of his work. So originally, Ray Bulger, who is the Scarecrow, Mm -hmm. was cast, but he ended up trading parts with Ebsen for the Tin Man. Yes. So they switched. So he literally went through, like, all of this. He almost loses his life over this. He does mm-hmm. all of the rehearsals, everything. And he went through several of the early... He did all the makeup tests for this yeah. and all the suit tests for this. So the early Tin Man suit was made of metal. So he couldn't sit in it. He had to lean on a board, which so does the guy who takes over for him. Yeah. He also has to do this. But he literally had to, like, lean on a board to stand. And it was, like, straight-up aluminum. Like, he couldn't move in it. Yeah. The first... Because the second Tin Man suit that they end up doing for the actor who... Jack Haley. Jack Haley. So the suit for Haley was a little bit more flexible, but his mm-hmm. was like straight up nasty. Like he yeah. can sit down in it. And so he used to have to wear this immobilizing rubber chin strap, which barely mm-hmm. made him able to move his head. Yeah. Um, so there was, as we know, there are several director changes with The Wizard of Oz. And so when Buddy had his attack, it was offset. So when he doesn't return, the actors all assume, like, oh, he's been fired because the director who hired him was Richard Thorpe. And he mm-hmm. left. He gets fired. Yeah. So they go through, like, eight directors yeah, in this movie, literally too. going through constant directors. So the guy who hired him gets fired. So they're thinking, like, oh, he also got fired with him. And they don't know what happened to him. Yeah. So when he is replaced with Jack Haley... Haley had no idea that any of this happened to him. So he doesn't, he's not aware of any of the risks that are happening here. Right. So when he's replaced with Jack Haley, there's no, no one has any clue why he did this. It's all a big mystery. So Buddy has no, like Buddy has been ill from the makeup and nobody, nobody tells anybody. Yeah. So now Jack Haley is a little bit more lucky than Buddy, but not really. Mm -hmm. So they created an aluminum paste for him so it wouldn't go ahead and fly into his lungs. Right. So there was no risk of him inhaling it, but also he gets a severe eye infection mm-hmm. from it that made him have to leave set for four days, and they had to do something like surgical to help Yeah, his and eye they infection. treated it, yeah. They treated it luckily, so there's no permanent damage. So he doesn't get replaced, yeah. luckily. But he, too, could barely move in the suit, and at one point he literally gets welded inside it. Okay. So they would hide, like, this guy literally welded him into the suit, and then they couldn't take it off at the end of the day. So he had to have the welder come back and take him out of the suit. Right. Um, they were like, time to go. Yeah, they were like, you gotta get out of here. So that the same thing happened with him, though, where he literally couldn't sit down because yeah. he had to lean on a board if he wanted to rest because mm-hmm. the suit is so stiff, he couldn't actually move in it. And so... And also, if he would lay down, he couldn't really get back up because everything was so stiff. So, that's the whole story with the Tin Man's makeup. And also, but the thing is, like, Epson kind of had, like, the last laugh because he ended up outliving all of them. (laughs) And he died when he was 95 and started in the Beverly Hillbillies. So, he kind of, like, had the last laugh because, like, even though he nearly lost his whole life, he ended up living longer than he did. Now I have the Scarecrow, who is Ray Bulger. And... His makeup is really intense and interesting because they 
ended up doing several molds of his face and everything. Mm -hmm. And they would make a latex mask for him with these burlap etchings. And they would make one for him essentially every day. And so they would attach it to his face with spirit gum and other adhesive used at the time, which you already know is probably not good for you, whatever you were adhering it to him with. And it would take about an hour to put on and take off. Mm -hmm. So all of the actors would get there at about 5.30 in the morning. All the ones who had makeup. Yeah. Get there about 5.30 in the morning. And so he would essentially have to get a new mask every day, like I said, because they had to take it off. In order to take it off, they would, like, rip it off his face and, like, tear it apart. So he has spirit gum constantly going on and off his face. Yeah. And it says... um, He was saying you couldn't even, like, sweat in it. And he Mm -hmm. said the mask wasn't porous, so you couldn't sweat... You couldn't breathe through your skin, he said in an interview. You don't realize how much you breathe through your skin until you can't do it. So, like, when they took the mask off, he had permanent lines by Mm -hmm. his mouth because of how hard it was to take this mask off. Yep. So, after, like, he was wearing it for, obviously, months and weeks on end, he developed, like, some of the pattern on his face. Like, all the burlap patterning came on his face. And then he had permanent, like, lines, I think, on the side of his face where they were, like, attaching it and then, like, right here by the mouth. Yeah. So he had a literally permanently scarred because of that. So now we're moving on to Bert Lair, who was the cowardly lion. Yes. So his costume weighed about 50 to 90 pounds and was made of real lion pelts, which was... Are you kidding me? Dirt nasty, real lion pelts. Oh my gosh. And so his makeup took about three hours because he has the prosthetics on his face Mm -hmm. and then he has the whole 50 to 90 pound suit. So he had to also be on a liquid diet because he couldn't disrupt his makeup. Right. So he's literally, this guy is on a liquid diet. And he's constantly sweating under studio lights because he's wearing yeah. this real lion pelt. And it was so hot on set because yep. like, of the technical that mm-hmm. they had to take actors off the set sometimes because of yep. how bright it was. Yep. And he's under lights in a 50 to 90 pound costume with padding inside of it to make him look like big. big. Yeah. So he's constantly sweating, and he would have to strip out of the costume between takes, and he'd be fanned down because he would be dripping. Yeah. So it would literally take two hours at the end of the night to dry, manually dry his costume because it would be soaking wet. Ooh, just thinking about smelling Ugh, that. Lord. Ugh. Um, so because of how they looked in the makeup, supposedly, this is, a, this is an alleged rumor from the set, it's because of how they looked in the makeup and how off-putting it was, supposedly they would make them eat separately like, they'd be like, oh, you have to eat in, like, on set and you can't eat in the cafeteria. But this is all, like, alleged because it was, the reality of it is probably that they didn't want them to move too much. They yeah. just made them their own little canteen right there. Because I'm like, this is a movie set. Right. Okay, people are, like, this is, like, a, a studio. No one's surprised to see people in makeup. Right. Because <laughs> they were like, oh, the, one of the rumors was like, oh, my God, the, this makeup was so terrifying. They couldn't even go off set. And I'm like, bitch, no. No, it was, no, it was Hollywood. It was people Hollywood. People doing crazy shit. Literally. Um, speaking of crazy shit in Hollywood, the next thing I'm going to move on to is, so that's all about the makeup portion, which you know me. I'm a yes. poor-ass hoe. I had to talk about it. <laughs> had to do it to him. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the asbestos snow. Which okay. I didn't know this until I was researching this, and I was like, Hugh. Yep. So, between the 1930s and the 1950s, they used to use asbestos to make fake snow, which you see in the poppy field, the yep. snow starts falling Poppies. on her. Yeah, that's what it is, too. That's what she says. Okay. My God. So, (laughs) asbestos, if you guys don't know, it's a mineral fiber that is, like, highly toxic to humans. Mm -hmm. And it's especially toxic because when you breathe, it essentially adheres to your lungs. And so, it causes mesothelioma, which is a kind of cancer. And lots of actors, actually, between this time period got it. Most famously, Steve McQueen got it. And he got, like, I think he was diagnosed in, like, 79, and he died, like, a year later. Okay. So several actors who were acting during this time period got mesothelioma because of the fact they used it for snow and for decorations and houses and just, like, everywhere. Yeah. So, in reality, the actors in The Wizard of Oz were probably at very little risk because it was just kind of falling on their face and they weren't inhaling it long But still, you're getting asbestos on your face. Yeah. Literally, like, they're, like, putting this on Judy Garland's face. Ugh. So, they were okay because it wasn't an extended amount of time, but it was still, like... Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So, we're going to move into theories now, unless you have anything else. Uh, I think that's it with that's makeup. All the kind that's of, all I can yeah. think of. I know, like, obviously we mentioned last time with Judy Garland, they literally had to bind her dress mm-hmm. while they do that. Um, 
They, yeah, they had to buy her dress. She was on crazy diet pills and smoking cigarettes, like, exactly. 80 packs a day. And interesting, she was actually um, originally supposed to be blonde for the movie. Yeah. They did different wigs for her, and they had a blonde wig, and they were, like, it just the director was, like, the original director seemed like he was nasty. He was, like, I wanted this, like, baby doll thing, like, beautiful, like, blah, blah. And I was, like, ew. She was literally like, 16. she's a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. She's supposed to be a 12-year-old girl. Lord. So, um... And then, yeah, now we're going to move to theories. Oh, one other thing that I was saying that is happening, like, why I think this set is most likely cursed. Mm -hmm. When they were doing um, one of the flying monkey scenes, they put the actors up in piano wire, like, Mm -hmm. on piano wire, and then they dropped them because it obviously couldn't hold them. Yes. So all these actors ended up falling and getting injured because no one knows what they're doing. They were injured really bad. Yeah. Yeah. During that. Um, So this set is cursed. It's cursed, Mama. It is. So do we want to do uh, conspiracies and things like yes. that? So one of the conspiracies that I was just there, because there's so many there's conspiracies not. that go along with this movie. Some of them are so stupid, and some mm-hmm. of them I'm like, huh. But um, the first one I was reading was the conspiracy that Glinda the Good Witch is actually, like, an evil witch. I read that. And I was it, like, <sighs> Because basically... The, the thing is that she can have Dorothy go home at any time with the ruby slippers, mm-hmm. but she basically, like, uses her to kill the Wicked Witch of the West because she okay, knows... but was she, she stupid? No. No. She's smart. smart she was Glinda the fucking smart-ass bitch. Yes. That's what she was. Yes. Because she has, you know, Dorothy go through all these trials to fucking kill this witch. Okay, she's but like, was she not correct? Um, not correct. That is... Not but I guess we can we can face the one of the biggest conspiracies, which is the Munchkin hanging themselves on the set. I wish people could just see the expression that they just made. Um, but if you have it, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube that you guys can look up, and basically what they say is it's not true. There was no Munchkin who like person hung themselves on the don't set. No. Well, because they had they, <laughs> they would use like giant like zoo animals for it, like if, that they had on the set. So when you watch it, you can tell it's like a bird, like a crane type thing okay, moving its head. Okay, that's version. So this happened, so the Hanging Munchkin Theory essentially starts around 1989 when they released the 50th anniversary video. Which is what I have. I have the VHS. Yeah. So that's when it essentially starts and they're like, people were accusing them of cleaning up the footage mm-hmm. and remembering like, oh, we've seen that in the background. So supposedly one of the actors who played a munchkin was lost his love of his life or something some love tale and he ended up hanging himself on the set and so you supposedly see the hanging body during the song we're off to see see the the wizard Wizard. so just as they're about to turn that corner like they're all linking arms like Mm -hmm. they're dabbing they're not dabbing they're dabbing and so (laughs) right as you're about to turn that corner supposedly like right on the left hand side Mm -hmm. you can see a hanging body a hanging body swinging um but what I don't understand There's is it's, like, it's a big set and you have a lot of people around. Like when you're on movie sets, like you you aren't really by yourself ever. There's no like area where you can go and just commit suicide on a fucking movie set. Like maybe if you tried really hard mm-hmm. and like just found a secluded ass spot while they're filming a scene. Because when you're on set, like everything's quiet, everything's like surrounded by a crew mm-hmm. and by people. So. I, I just don't see that happening on a movie set. Because there's several different videos that people have shown. And, like, no one talking like, about it. No yeah. one, you know, Like, there's there's nothing except, like... Because supposedly they're like, oh, that they edited it out. But then, essentially what came out is that there was a statement made that basically said that there is always oh, just a bird's wing yeah. moving because they they got a bunch of live exotic birds that were on mm-hmm. set. And they would sometimes, so MGM rented about 400 birds yeah. from a zoo because they wanted the, the woods to look really wild. Mm-hmm. So they would rent like really big birds, like they would rent like emus and cranes and huge things. So they think essentially what it is is probably a large crane, crane. that was like spreading its wing and it looked like it's yeah. floating. What's funny is how whatever. like none of these animals are in the fucking movie. You don't see <laughs> any of them. I'm like, you, you rented see a, fucking emu? a bunch of aviaren birds. Mm-hmm. They were, no, they're not No, they're not. Birds. They don't they fly. Don't fly. Okay, so they essentially put everyone at risk of bird flu. Yeah. With all of these nasty-ass emus and huge-ass cranes. Me at a Fall Boy concert, these <laughs> nasty-ass emos. Nasty-ass emos. So they basically came out with a statement saying, like, this is just a bird, okay? Nah, I'm just a bird. It's just a bird. Just a whim. <laughs> just a whim. So 
more evidence of the fact that this is probably just a bird or it's not actually one of the actors who played a munchkin is that they filmed this scene before any of the munchkin land sequences. Mm -hmm. So there's probably not a high chance that one of the actors would be on set at this time. Right. So, and all the people who have played munchkins who have came forward about it were basically saying like, no, that didn't didn't happen. happen. Yeah. But you know what? That's exactly what you would say. No. (laughs) You were trying to cover up a conspiracy. Um, But I thought this was really interesting, too, because people were pointing out the fact that the Munchkin actors were only paid $50 a week, Mm -hmm. and Toto was being paid $75 to $125 a week. Yeah, the dog was literally being paid more than the people playing the Munchkins. Literally. And so all of the sort of... There's a lot of hype around the Munchkin actors saying that they were severely inebriated and they were crazy and they had to catch them. Like, even Judy said, like, oh, we had to catch them with butterfly nets and all this stuff. But supposedly, a lot of the actors said, like, a lot of this was exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And then they pointed out the fact that they were literally treated like garbage and, like, lesser yeah. than. And a lot of these people came from sideshows and couldn't get work because they were so ridiculed and just, like, degraded. Yeah. And so they talked about the fact that one of the selling points for the film was like, oh, like, look at this exhibition of these actors. You know what I mean? So it was kind of just nasty. It was just nasty the way that they treated them. And, uh, well, so I was looking this up. And so last week we were talking about how Sid Luff put forward the idea that they molested her on set. Which, looking back at it, I'm like... Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't, though. Because right. maybe they just Or maybe it was, like, a, one, a one of them. or two yeah. of them, but not all of them. Right. So I just wanted to, like, point that out and be, like, correction. I don't think it was all of them doing this. Right. It could have been one or two of them that did this, and Judy was just like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's dramatic. So I don't know that it was all of them. I just want to put out the idea that, like, oh, these munchkin actors, blah, 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 blah. Like, right. I don't want to put forward that idea. So, Yeah. But that, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because I was reading a lot of the stories from them and they were just talking about how horrific it was where it was just like people treated them so poorly yeah. just because of the fact that they were not, they were like, oh my God, you know? So um, I just want to talk about that. Yeah. That's just my thing. And all the actors were essentially at this point have no rights. Even right. even all of the like big stars during this time, everyone is essentially being held hostage in the studio so no one can speak up or say anything. So doesn't matter how any of them were treated. Right. It was just like, the studio controls all of us and we can't say anything, so. Yeah. No, everyone was, and, um, one, uh, fun fact about the man who played the coroner munchkin, when they bring out the death certificate, mm-hmm. it has, uh, Frank Elbaum's actual, like, death on it, but it was like, I think like, uh-huh. I forgot the exact, like, amount of years after, but it like had his, like, death date on it, which I thought was really interesting and never knew that before. They had, did you see the story they were talking about where the the costume designers were working on that, a coat for Professor Marvel, and so they were, like, looking around for a fashionable coat. They were mm-hmm. like, we need to find the perfect coat for him, it needs to be vintage, but kind of worn, whatever. So they go to a local thrift store, and they found, like, the perfect one. They put mm-hmm. him in it, like, they put Frank Morgan, the wizard, yeah. they put him in it, and... They're looking, like, he's kind of looking, like, Morgan one day, like, took off his jacket, was in, like, looking at it, and he finds a label inside that says L. Frank Baum. Are you kidding and me? And it was his jacket. No. Yes, it was his jacket, and so they actually end up giving it to his widow after the uh, movie was done. Oh, my, oh, I just got chills. I know, isn't that creepy? That is so weird. Like, at a thrift store, randomly, they yeah. find it, and it ended up being L. Frank Baum's jacket. No way. Mm-hmm. How did his, I love how his jacket ended up at a thrift store. His wife was like, yeah, she was like, here. no, she like gave it back to their store after they gave it to her. <laughs> she redonated it. She was like, I don't want this shit in the house. She's like, I don't need this. She's like, it was so fucking ugly. I hated this shit. <gasps> oh, oh. Um, but I guess now we can get into. We just went on self tangent. I'm but, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But this is this is this is our fucking podcast. Yeah. We can talk about whatever the I'll fuck we want. If anyone has a problem with it, you can go fuck yourself. Oh, okay. And that's on. Period. And that's on periods. Um. <laughs> so. Another thing that everyone talks about is the correlation with the Wizard of Oz being connected to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which... I watched the video. I... It's so interesting. It's so cool. I remember watching it years ago, like, when I was, like, in grade school Mm -hmm. in, like, the fucking computer room, like, with my my desktop, just, like, looking up videos about it, and I just, like, it's so cool how, like, 
as soon as money comes on yeah. and then everything is like in color. It's just so interesting. So, by the way, most of this information I got from Wikipedia. So please donate because we wouldn't have this podcast without Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it talks about the pairing of the 1973 Pink Floyd album, The Dark Side of the Moon, with the visual portion of Wizard of Oz. So there are various approaches regarding when to start synchronizing with it, because you can either start, like, when the actual movie starts, or but most third people say Ryan's, that the third Ryan, the, the Ryan Moore. Ryan Beer, the, the Ryan Beer's roar from jail. The third roar of the MGM lion yeah. at the beginning. So, most suggest the third roar, while some prefer the second or first. Um, Others suggest starting the album not immediately after the lion's roar, but after the lion fades into black. So, there are so many different ways to start There's so many videos of this, like, full videos of it. Yeah, of, like, the full movie. I know. Because it's, like, even, like, well, I'll get into it, but, like, the lyrics and everything. So... Um, viewing recommendations include reducing the film's audio and using captions or subtitles to follow the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So obviously when you're doing this, the movie volume has to be down and the album yeah. is playing. So I also find it interesting that the prism on the album's cover, because it's the prism and the rainbow, mm-hmm. reflects the movie's transition from black and white Kansas to Technicolor. And there are further examples that include music changes at dramatic moments. So... The tornado near the start of the movie aligns with the screaming section of the great geek in the sky. Mm-hmm. And the thematic alignment, such as the scarecrow dance during brain damage, mm-hmm. which is obviously things if I only had a brain. Um, the synergy effect has been described as an example of synchronicity defined by the psychologist Carl Jung as a phenomenon in which coincidental events seem related but are not explained by conventional mechanisms of uh, causality. So this is something we've actually talked about before. Synchronicity is a big thing where, because the band had, there's no connection to no, the Wizard the of Oz. No, the band literally, like, they were like, this is absolutely bullshit. This yeah. They're like, if anything, it's connected to the sound of music. Yes. Because it's, it's not the Wizard of Oz, but the synchronicity involved in this where it's like, it just goes so well. I think certain things... I think it's just cool. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe you didn't sit there and intend for this to happen. Right. But I think the idea of synchronicity and things just happening and fitting together so well, mm-hmm. I'm like, how cool is that? Right. Or, how like, cool if you're that? thinking of a song and it comes on. Or, yeah. like, you're thinking about something or someone and they text you. And, like, mm-hmm. they, like things like yeah. that. It's just little things around the world. And the fact that somebody thought to put those two together. Mm-hmm. Like, is, who does that? Who does that? Who, who listened thought? to it and was like, ooh, let me put this yeah. to The Wizard of Oz. It's just, it's so, so interesting. Um, so, like I said, Pink Floyd band members have repeatedly said that the reputed phenomenon is only a coincidence, and in an they're interview, like, so they were like, this is so fake, um, in an interview for the 25th anniversary album, guitarist and vocalist David Gilmore denied the album was intentionally written to be synchronized with the film. He said, some guy with too much time on his hands had the oh. idea of combining, yeah, he's salty about it had the idea of combining Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. And on an MTV special about Pink Floyd in 2002, the band dismissed any relationship between the album and the movie, saying there were no means of reproducing the film in the studio at the time when they recorded the album. So some other similarities that just go Mm -hmm. so well with the album is Dorothy starting to run during the line, No One Told You When to Run. Mm In the song, um, Time, and David Gilmore sings Home, Home Again in the breath, sorry, <laughs> in the breathe in the reprise, in the breast reprise, no, in the breathe reprise as the fortune teller tells Dorothy to return home. And obviously when brain damage starts, just as the scarecrow mm-hmm. starts to sing, if I only had a brain. And, uh... He's also dancing on the yellow brick road while Roger Waters sings Got to Keep the Loonies on the Path. Which is like, I'm like, it's just so weird how this all goes together. Even more eerie, the great gig in the sky matches up with the tornado and Dorothy opens up the door to the house to find the colorful munchkin land, the start of the second act of the movie, as Money, the first song on the original LP's second side, begins. And just as the album closes with a heartbeat, Dorothy puts her ear to the Tin Woodsman's chest, mm-hmm. which is so. I'm like, I think this is so cool. I did not care if they if they 
believe this or not. Conspiracy right. theory, this is the truth. Yeah. They wrote this. So that's, like, everything I have about that. Because, like, most of it is, like, you can you can do so much with it. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, like, it's not, there's there's no connection. But it's just, it's it's so bizarre. Because so cool. I wonder if there's any other movies like that that there have, like, weird. Be. Look it up. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, that I was, like, watching it. And when you watch it on the YouTube video, I was just, like, sitting and watching the whole YouTube video of it. And I was like, this is just. The most fantastic. It's thing mesmerizing. Ever seen yeah. Like, I don't care if this is real. Like I said, I, really I get chills care. every time. Like she opens that door and everything's yes. in color, and then it's like, you know, the noises for the beginning mm-hmm. of money. It's just, it's like so interesting. So oh. if you have a chance, like please look it up. Watch the entirety of it. I, it there's one on YouTube that I was watching. Yeah. So it. Watch there's the multiple. It's so I always wanted to do it. Like when we had the VHS player, mm-hmm. and. I wanted to do it so bad. I just remember, like, trying to, like, rewind the movie, like, so in the VHS right. player yeah. to do it. Oh, God. When I actually had a life and, like, yeah. <laughs> I was able to, like, work out conspiracy theories in my basement with my VHS player. The usual. I think this one is, like, the, that one's my favorite. Like, yeah. I, mostly this one's my favorite because in Supernatural, oh my Dean, God. shut up, Dean, <laughs> Dean mentions this to Sam. He's like, oh, you do it a little dark side of the moon, like... Are sunk or like synced with uh, Wizard of Oz or something like that, and Sam's like, "What?" And he's like, "What did you do in college, bro? Like, what did, what you, did you do? <laughs> like, what did you do in college, bro?" Um, but I just think it's so cool that that movie has so many like weird things like that yeah. involved. It like it's just not only a cult classic, but it's like there's too many. It's just so well known. Coincidences. Yeah, I feel like so many things that like shouldn't be connected with it mm-hmm. and are connected with it and they shouldn't make sense but they do yes and i don't know how else to describe it because <laughs> that's the only thing um that i can say but even just like with the making of the movie like it's so fun to go through it and know all these things about it and then look back and, and then you're watching it light-hearted film yeah and like that and then also like just all the mishaps that happen during the movie, like when you have Dorothy's hair at different lengths mm-hmm. during it, where one scene it's like down, like past her chest, and then the next scene, it's, yeah, it's like up by her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another one at the beginning where um, Auntie Anne like offers her like the plate of biscuits, yeah, and she takes one and throws it to Toto, mm-hmm. and then in the next scene when she starts singing, she's holding it again, yeah, and there's just like or like the trap door. Or my one of my favorites at the beginning when Glinda hits her crown with her wand. Yeah. <laughs> hits herself in the fucking head. She's like, it's just so good. She's like, I'll kick his ass, I'll kick your ass, I'll kick my own ass. She's, she's like, yeah, the head. fuck this. Um, I have two, like, really stupid kind of Yeah, no, go for it. Where supposedly it's supposed to be this. These are, like theories about it being an allegory mm-hmm. so there's there's so many political fucking so like, allegories there's, poli- there's political allegories for this so i'm not gonna read i ain't here for that right so we don't read on this podcast we don't read this i, I never learned to read um <laughs> danielle reads me i read that's her. about it that's about it read to filth read to absolute filth mama and god said hi and god said hi <laughs> <laughs> so there's one that this is a religious allegory and there's one that is a atheist allegory yes so the religious one is basically that Many Christians see this movie and are like, this is an allegory about faith, which is basically that the yellow brick road is a path to enlightenment, with the characters encountering a variety of emblems of sin and temptation along the way towards the Emerald City, which is a kind of heaven. Me passing McDonald's on my way home. (laughs) Me passing McDonald's and Chipotle. So they they view it as like, ah, this is like heaven, and it's just like they're trying to go on this road and avoid temptation. Um... (laughs) This is funny. So the Wicked Witch is killed with water, which suggests baptism. Uh, <laughs> when she's literally fucking killed. She's killed and getting baptized. They're um, like, oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, okay. come on. And then they baptize her in the fucking river like, by her castle. Baptized. No? I want to sing Book of Mormon, let me. <laughs> so the next thing is that it's an atheist allegory, which basically... <laughs> This is really funny. So it's saying that this whole theory is, um, was like kind of has the same elements. And so it says that God, aka the wizard, isn't real. There's a mortal behind the curtain. There's a mortal behind, um, oh, sorry. There's a mortal behind the curtain, and all that spiritual mumbo jumbo is illusory. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to call God the wizard for now. I'm <laughs> 
The wizard. The wizard said hi. Hi. <laughs> so this theory corresponds better with the book where Oz is more about duplicity and illusion than the movie. So in the book, they have to wear, they basically wear green sunglasses and that's why it looks like an Emerald City versus in the, right. in the movie. It's, it's the it City. was a perfect illusion. Yeah, sing Gaga. Uh-huh. That's Cher doing Lady Gaga. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Early in the book's publishing career, Christian fundamentalists tried to get it banned for suggesting that humanity's gifts came from within and were not God-given. Are you fucking kidding me? I need people to get jobs. I need everyone to get a part-time job. I need everyone to get a hobby. So this is either about atheism, about being Christian. It's my favorite theory of all time, which is that the wizard (laughs) is my favorite. So, this theory says the Wizard of Oz is Willy Wonka's fault. I was just going to say that. I was like the one where the road leads to the fucking chocolate factory. I love this. So it says. Okay, okay, okay. So where does the yellow brick road lead? Willy Wonka's factory. So imagine the wizard flew to Oz in a hot air balloon that got busted. And after securing some success in the candy business, the wizard's son, Willy, goes searching for him in all sorts of strange land. Just like Johnny And then Depp. brings the munchkins back then, as yeah, the bloopers. He brings the munchkins back. He learns about the candy trees and the lollipop guild. And he uses those fantastical methods to soar to the top of the candy game, finds comfort in his father's approval, and installs two roads leading from Munchkinland, this one is my to childhood. Emerald City of his father, and one to the factory he owns. Um, Can you imagine Road Doll just watching The Wizard of Oz? I mean, like, this is it. This is fine. This is it. what I'm doing. This is absolutely 100% it. Oh my god. That one is my favorite. Also, this is not even a theory, but this is just really cool that um, Baum wrote the book, and he wrote Dorothy a certain way, Mm -hmm. where she's supposed to be this great feminist character who has a lot of agency, which I liked. Yes. I was like, listen, this is not perfect, okay, but it's also like... Right, it was also, when when was that book published? 1900s. Yeah. Early 1900s. This is in the 30s, they're making the movie, so... Early 1900s. He's making a really cool story about a girl who's like, the hell with you She's y'all. like, fuck this. Yeah. So, it's not really a theory, but I like the idea that he wrote this character to have a certain amount of agency and kind of get herself out of trouble, where mm-hmm. she's like, I will go see this wizard. I don't need these hoes. Right. I gotta go. And then she meets Willy Wonka. Yes. On the road. They cross paths. Yes. And then they swap Oompa Loompas. Yes. <laughs> and then she takes an Oompa Loompa home with her. Yes. When she goes back mm-hmm. to the house. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, there you could There's go on infinite theories for something. days with conspiracies and theories about this. Um, there's also so many other like little movie facts in there yeah. about like the production and like her ruby slippers and how like they were made with like oh like they painted them mm-hmm. and then they were satin and then they put the sequins on there and she was only a size six. She's a baby. She had baby tiny feet. ass feet. We wouldn't know. We have baby feet. That's true. Um. And just the fact that, like, what's another one? Oh, um, the sand in the hourglass that she uses is made from the crushed-up sequins. So <gasps> it would look, uh, ti- like, really, like, tiny shiny. Crystals. It was, it was, like, little tiny crystals. And when they have, like, a mark for it, so when the Wicked Witch of the West throws the, um, when she, when she throws it, mm-hmm. it, like, landed in a certain spot, like, every time. So it would, like, break open and, like, show up. And, like, it's just, it's just so interesting. And... This movie has so much history with it that it's, like, it's, like, it's definitely a part of my life, like, part of my childhood. This is my definite, like, I don't know if people relate to this, but certain movies are your comfort movie where mm-hmm. you just put that on in the background and you're just, like, you sit and you you vibe like a pig on the beach. Yep. And Bringing that back. Bringing yeah. that back. So you vibe like a pig on the beach. This movie is my vibe movie, right? Yeah. Just put the, this movie... The Return to Oz, which mm-hmm. we're going to do an episode on. Most yes, definitely. that was insane. That was freaking insane. I love the movie. If you guys have not seen The Return to Oz with Frieza Balk, you oh better, my, you know what you I, work. you know what I fucking realized? As I was watching, it was a like a month ago, and I could not sleep, and I was literally up at four in the morning, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to watch Willow," and I watched Willow at like three, four in the morning. Can you stop? Just I'm seeing Gwen Stefani. Stop it. <laughs> And the woman who plays Mumby, Princess Mum, yes. in the in Return to Oz, plays the evil queen in Willow. Mm-hmm. They're the same actress, and I was like, she's that, just playing she evil characters. She can't get a I love it because she has that face where yeah. she just looks crazy. Um, but it's just like there's 
there's so there's so many renditions of it and mm-hmm. versions of it with and then you have Wicked and then you have like the new Wizard of Oz movies. Which and, Wicked like, is a good ass book. If yeah, you read the book. I like the book from Wicked. I read it like a long time ago, but it's really good. I'm yeah, like, wow. Okay. You can always do like Wicked conspiracy. Mm-hmm. We'll just do all the fucking Wizard of Oz movies. And then just, like, fucking go through all of Honestly, those. The, we definitely have to do an episode on Return to Oz, because Return to Oz is one of those movies. Ultimate comfort movie. Yes. So good. So insane. So, and it's much closer to the novels in terms of... Because then there's Ozma of Oz. Yes. So it's one much, of the other ones. It's much closer to the novels in terms of kind of how things look and the characterization of everything. Yes. The tone of that movie is so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yep. It's just like cool and creepy and it literally is just one of those movies that it you has those watch. like bad like late 80s effects. Yes. But good. Like yes. all of it looks it's true to its time period, yes, but it also just looks so cool. Like yes. to just watch that movie and go with it, you're just like, wow. And it all fits a certain vibe and a certain time period. She's actually the right age in the movie. Yes. Um she's not a sexualized. So, I like it. I think it's a good time. It's a good I think time. Everyone should watch the movie immediately. Yes. Taste. So, if you guys have any other theories or like interesting facts that you want to share to us, please do DM us on Twitter, on Instagram. You can follow us on those, or you can email us at mosthexcellentpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We would love to get some emails from you guys and talk about them on the podcast. Um, and you know, give us give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading those reviews, and uh, we can't wait to do another episode. So we know you guys liked, you know, kind of the bio episodes, mm-hmm. and like we want to do more like movie conspiracies and things like that. So stay tuned, and we're gonna be doing some cool ones. I think we might be doing some. We're definitely doing a David Bowie. Oh yeah, David Bowie. We're David Bowie some... is gonna be coming up. Hell yeah, David Bowie, and we're we're gonna do some. Um, interviews danielle's gonna be interviewing her family about creepy shit that has been happening so we're i'm really excited to hear those and we're just gonna be doing a bunch of fun shit we're gonna have some more guests on soon Mm -hmm. when everyone's schedule actually like frees up because everyone has been extremely busy so it's super hard to plan during the week too because we both work full-time everyone works full-time no one has fucking time yeah but so we're gonna be having some mini-sodes or kind of like extra episodes coming out that are gonna involve um, we're interviewing one of my friends, Anthony. We're going to be doing some stuff about manifestation mm-hmm. and witchcraft and kind of some cool, like, off-topic, kind of, off to- in-topic, but yes. kind of not usual for the podcast stuff yes. coming up. And so. more um, tarot reading mini More tarot reading, yep. Because that was fun to do. Yeah. I like doing that. So, we will see you guys next week. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Leave us comments, subscribe, everything. Do it. Thanks, guys. Please. Be excellent. Be excellent. Bye. Bye.